welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we are starting our are continuing our podcast series in December all around the idea of giving. And so we want to not just talk about giving of financial resources, which so many people think about towards the end of the year, but also thinking about our other talents, our time, our ability, and our treasure. And so today we thought of no better person uh, than a dear friend, Corey Varden. Corey is a pastor uh, at Philadelphia Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but he is a bivocational pastor, and so during the day he has a day job and then his pastor at night. Uh, but Corey and his church have partnered with Lifeline for a long time through our unadopted program, uh, specifically with Pastor Raphael Kajubi in Busega, Uganda. Uh, uh, Philadelphia has also partnered with Families Count, and their church has, has really given so much of their time and of their talent, especially to this ministry. And that's what we really want to talk about today giving of talents. And before we bring in the venerable Dr. Rick and Corey, I want to remind you about our unadopted virtual trips. Gather your family or small group and join us on December 16th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for a virtual trip to Colombia. We will virtually travel the streets of this beautiful country and hear from our partners as they describe how God is working with the people of Colombia and how we can join his mission there. What a great way, especially as travel is still a little wonky because of COVID-19 and really even to have the opportunity to, to not just take one or two people, but to take your family and to take your church to Columbia to experience what God is doing there. You can always register on our website, lifelinechild.org, or you can see the show notes for the registration link. And so make sure you look at those show links. Register December 16th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We'll do our next unadopted virtual trip to the country of Columbia. Well, Dr. Rick, we're grateful for you to have you grace our presence again today. And uh, what a what a privilege it is. And I know Corey's been looking forward to just being on this podcast with you. It's such a privilege even just to to be able to to be in the same room with you and to be able to to talk to you. But in all seriousness, what an important topic today, the giving of talents. Um, talk a little bit about why this is so important and, and introduce us to Corey. Well, first of all, I, I'm going to say that that you were laying it on pretty thick during the during my intro here. And that really kind of sets the tone for for this whole conversation, because one of the things I've, I've been excited, we you know, we were talking about doing this interview with with Corey and, and spending some time with him. And um, honestly, like I, I I thought back on all the conversations we've had and, and times that I've you know, had a chance to share a meal with Corey or to spend time visiting with him and, and just um, fun, deep conversations, um, talking about significant things and, and, and about, you know, how God's moving in ways and challenges in the church and all that kind of stuff. But, but they're always, they're just always good substantive conversations. And so um, in, in thinking about today, I, I just, I'm kind of 
excited for us to, you know, just to be able to talk about some things that, that we think are important. I, um, you know, uh, Corey is a pastor. He's a friend. He's, um, he's a, he's a man of God that's leading his congregation well. And, and I, um, it, it's been such a privilege for us as a ministry to be able to walk alongside uh, Philadelphia Baptist church and, and the people there and to see the things that God's doing. And, um, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incredible gift for us to, through this, uh, you know, through this holiday season, as we're thinking about those things that we have been given as gifts and how, how we return that to the Lord. And, uh, and so Corey, welcome, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming and being with us. Yeah, I'm nervous now being in you guys' presence after that buildup, particularly you, Dr. Rick. I don't, yeah, hopefully I don't fumble on this too much. Well, you know, I, I mean, it. <laughs> don't mess it up, man. Like that, that's the big thing here. Just like we've, we've okay. done all we can to set you up. Don't mess it up. Um, okay. So the bar is set at don't mess up. All right. I was going for 16 and we'll go with don't mess up. <laughs> Well, hey, Corey, I think, you know, maybe the maybe the place to start is um, just why don't you just introduce yourself to the folks that are out there that that haven't had an opportunity to meet you and tell a little bit, of, you know, a little bit about who you are, your family, um, and just just kind of set a little context for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, you've heard the bivocational piece, but a little bit uh, behind that. But first and foremost, I, I'm, I'm married to Nicole. Uh, we're going coming on. 15 years, have three kids, 12, 10, and uh, seven. And uh, yeah, so I have uh, two full-time jobs, what it seems like. Kirby said, you know, full-time job by day and pastor by night, but it's a little more mixed uh, than that. But uh, I'm in construction management, so I have a building science degree from Auburn University. I've been in construction management um, since 03, um, really full-time since 05 had a four-year stint where I stepped out and actually worked for a ministry, um, and, uh, but been with the same company uh, the entire time and uh, have been pastoring full-time uh, at Philadelphia Baptist for a little over six years. I served as an elder uh, before that. So um, a lot else I could add, but that's, that's kind of the flyover view. Um, so I'm just a glutton for punishment and uh, enjoy having a lot on my plate. Um, but no, I mean, I do enjoy it. I like, um, a lot of people say they, you know, they use the word busy almost in a negative tone. I like being busy. Uh, if I'm not busy, I'm bored. Uh, so, uh, always looking for something to do in the, between construction and the church, uh, there's never a lack of opportunities. So, so when, when you went to Philadelphia as pastor six years ago, part of the you know, part of the story there is 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 the replanting and sort of revitalization of um, of a church that had had a long history and had had a kind of a place in the community. And the Lord called you there, and 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 really, you know, through you and and some other folks that came around in leadership, began to to you know just pursue a renewed vision there. Um, man, like, what was that like as as a pastor to to walk into a situation with a lot of history and and with an identity, and and then to 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 shepherd that people to kind of you know catch a new vision, catch a new catch a fresh wind, and maybe continue to pursue a vision for the gospel in the middle of all that. 
Yeah, I was clueless, so I'll go ahead and put that out there. Um, so anything I say, uh, you may want to consult the experts and not necessarily <laughs> do what I did. But uh, yeah, so I was actually with the I was at the church at Brook Hills as an elder there, and myself and a couple other elders were pursuing how do we get involved in church revitalization um, with the intention of sending other guys uh, in to do that. You know, we would be the ones that come up with the cool ideas and send other guys in to take the beating. Uh, but in that process, the Lord sort of voluntold me that uh, I was going uh, to Philadelphia. So uh, a church that had been there established in the 40s um, had a number of different heydays, uh, if you want to call it that, but had been slowly dying for about 20 years and had gotten close to that point. We may be ready to close the doors on this. Um, I wanted to be bivocational. That's intentional. Uh, of course, that lines up with revitalization because most often they're, they're not going to be able to uh, uh, to pay you. And if you know anything about Brook Hills, they're the radical church. They're not going to give you any money to go out. Um, so, you know, I needed a job. But it, it worked out well. Just uh, built a relationship with them, did a lot of pulpit fill, trying to help them out. Uh, one thing led to the next. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming on board there. I'm stepping back into construction at the same time. And, yeah, it was a mess. No no way to sugarcoat it. It was a mess. Um, we had 800 members and about uh, 40 people in a uh, 45,000 square foot building. Um, if, you, if you're in the Southern Baptist world, you know what I mean by the membership part. So we had a lot to clean up and spent a lot of time doing that and trying to get a healthy foundation built. So uh, it was a lot of learn on the fly um, and uh, really just Dealing with broken relationships and building new relationships, I think, was a lot of it, just day in and day out. Um, fixing things that were broken in terms of relationships and then helping build new ones and build uh, a new theological foundation for the church. Uh, that's how I would sum it up. Um, I, I can share as many war stories as you want, but um, I might have changed some of the names. Uh, but that, that's, that's just... But I think, I think the, you know, the thing that is, that's just really cool about the story is that um, through a lot of relational work and, and through a lot of, you know, a lot of time investing, investing in people and, and working in broken relationships, but also a lot of just preaching and teaching the word and just pointing people to the truth of the gospel and challenging them to apply the gospel practically in their lives. Um, like God's done some pretty incredible things at Philadelphia in awakening uh, missional zeal and and like calling a church out to, um, you know, to engage around the world and engage, you know, right here in your own in your own neighborhood. And and so um, like what, what would you say to those people that are out there that are they're you know, maybe they're struggling in the middle of a church where they're kind of struggling to find their identity and in the middle of some of those things or or maybe somebody that would be listening to us that's saying maybe God's calling me to go to a place and be part of a revitalization, you know, like what would you point them to? Yeah. I mean, to the word first and foremost, um, you know, I, I remember my mentor told me when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And he was referring to preaching and teaching at that point. Uh, like if you're not sure what decision to make or what's changed, he said, just, just teach, just preach the word in as many settings as you can to, to help equip the church, build the church. 
uh, let the word do the work um, because just philosophically, you know, the 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 Lord works uh, in His people through His Word by His Spirit, you know, and you can kind of say that however you want, but uh, you just got to trust that because that that can be that can be a process that will shock you with a lot of growth and a lot of change quickly, or it be a process that you don't hardly see the change and it happens very slowly over time. You just kind of have to trust that He's going to work in His timing and in His uh, way. So trust the Word. Uh, he's instructed us how to do this. Uh, the church is messy, but in a sense, not complicated. Uh, he's not left us in the dark to figure out how we how we conduct this thing called church and how we put it together and structure it. Certainly, there's some gray areas there where people have differing opinions, but for the most part, it's all there. Um, and just study it and apply it and teach it. Um, and then just relationships, particularly when it comes to the missional aspect, I think if you don't point the church outward, uh, the work's going to be a lot harder um, because we're, we're, our tendency, our natural bent is to go inward, both inward on ourselves and inward in the context of the church. And it's almost like you have to distract the church away from its selfishness and say there are needs out there, obviously overwhelming spiritual needs, but overwhelming physical needs. And the Lord has been clear that he cares deeply about these, um, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be complicated there either. Uh, you just look at kind of that, quartet uh, of, of vulnerable or needy that, that God seems to signal out throughout his scripture, uh, and you don't know what to do. Well, he says he cares about orphans, he cares about widows, he cares about the poor generally, he cares about uh, the sojourner. Um, so there, there's some broad categories with a lot you can do there. Um, and then I think that's where relationships come in. Most of what we're involved with at Philadelphia is a product of relationships that either I had, someone else had, or relationships that I've developed and said, that's a cool idea. That lines up with God's Word. Uh, we can get behind that. Let's do that. Um, and so I, I think the combination of go to the Word, let the Word do the work, and relationships, the connection of all of that, and making sure that you have an, an outward uh, approach in terms of helping uh, to revitalize the church. you got to get the church not focused solely on itself. And it, it's amazing how how transformative it can be to stop looking at yourself, thinking about yourself, and realize uh, there's some great great folks out there doing great work, and you have an opportunity to step in and come alongside of them. And it, it oftentimes does more to you than it does to them. So um, I don't know if that answers the question, but that, that's what I'd say. I, I'm sure somebody else has written that down, and I read it. Um, so it's not... Uh, <laughs> not original to me. You know, Corey, a, a lot of people, especially in the context we live in here in North America and the United States, when they think of a pastor, they think of a full-time minister. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, you look even just at the Southern Baptist Convention, most of the pastors that make up the Southern Baptist Convention are bivocational pastors like yourself. That's that's actually the lion's share. And the church here in the in North America was built on the backs of of bivocational pastors, but then especially as we look at the world, we see pastors that are bivocational that they they can't they they can't su- support their family um, by only preaching the word, and so they have to have another trade to be able to to supply for their family, but to to keep the church growing and, and being thri- and thriving. And really, when we even think about being a bivocational pastor, you you are using on a daily basis your God-given talent to serve the church. You know, and as a pastor that's calling the people to serve, 
I know our tendency at first is to give uh, financially, and, and that's always needed. But why do you think it's so vital that the church as a whole not just give of their resources, but also give of their talent? Um, I think it's a matter. It, I don't. I'm sort of stuck between stewardship and obedience, or a combination thereof. Is that uh, we think of stewardship, we think financially, but the Lord has given us skills, gifts, experience, talents, a lot of different terms that have a lot of overlap there. That we are to steward those as well. Um, you know, in the context of the church, through the church, um, obviously outside the church. Um, there, there's a reason that I. I have, I'm wired the way I'm wired. There's a reason that I can do what I can do. Even the education that I have is uh, in the experience I have with family or whatever it is. None of that's by accident. Um, and we have to know, how do we steward that? How do we use that for the good of others, the glory of God, the advancement of, of the gospel? And, you know, I think that that's one of those things. I think people have been talking about that for a while, even businesses mission type stuff. If we could sort of just get the lid off of this, that, that um, you know, you, you're more than your money and it's not just the full-time vocational guys that make the impact that if the church Christians in general would just understand that we all have something to offer and even understand for those that may not feel it and know it, like you're valuable, you're needed. Okay, every single one of us, we're both needy and needed. Um, And some of us tend to think we're only needy. um, And some of us tend to think we're too important and we're only needed. Um, But we're we're both. And if we could get every Christian uh, to to understand that. So it just kind of goes back to stewardship mixed with obedience. You are who you are because of the Lord and what he's done in your life, whether it's what you want to call wiring and personality and characteristics and talents, but also experience, education, development, just all of that rolled together is the Lord's. And you're to use that um, ultimately uh, for the good of others and the glory of his name around you in the workplace, in the home, and among all nations. It's not an either or, it's a both and. But also think, we do have to think broadly, like we're not doing this on our own. So, um, I can't. I can't do all of these things. I'm not wired and gifted to accomplish certain things, and I have to be okay with that. And think about how do we do this collectively as local churches, as the church, kind of big C church, um, that we're doing this together. And and that may be where we miss out big time because the church in and of itself internally is disjointed and broken a lot of times, and then certainly between local churches and among the big C church. You know, we're all kind of doing our own thing, fighting with each other, and not thinking about how can we leverage what God has given us for the sake of those that don't know him and for the sake of those that do but, but need, need help. And so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's yeah. what I would say. Stewardship and obedience, just sort of mixing those things together is why we should be using our talents, our gifts, our skills um, to impact others. I think that's so rich and because I think a lot of times we, we, we look at ministry as professional ministers do ministry, but the gospel call is to every single individual to go. And, and even as we think about the way Philadelphia has served through our unadopted and, and specifically in Uganda with Pastor Raphael, the thing I love is those from your team that have been going are, are from different 
backgrounds. They're, they have different skills, different abilities, different professional abilities even. And how have you seen even that, that kaleidoscope of gifts being used as you go on the field with members of Philadelphia? Yeah, um, so I'll give you uh, one example, and it actually involves me, and I'm not trying to tout myself, and it's a little little bit interesting. So Matt, who used to work with you guys and was in uh, the unadopted group there, I went with him the first time to, to it, in terms of being on the ground with mm-hmm. Pastor Raphael, and it was kind of that planning trip. Just to, I think there were four of us, and we're mostly sitting around in Pastor's office talking about what's going to happen the next year, kind of unpacking what happened the year before, making plans. And uh, I was jet lagged and I fell asleep, you know, over and over and over again in those meetings, just to be honest. I'm sitting on a couch the whole day, every day, talking about these things. But there was one particular day where um, I can't remember what sparked the discussion, but it was about the land that they had purchased by the uh, where the church property is, and then the need of you know the school the existing school that we were sitting in was sort of maxed out, and the opportunity to expand that, and it just sort of snowballed that conversation, and that's where I really tuned in, and it ended up based on my background and skill set, we went to the hardware store, we got the longest tape measure we could, measured off rope <laughs> in like hundred foot lengths. We measured off the property, and I came back and plotted it out and laid out some buildings and what they could do on that property. Now, that design ended up changing, but that snowballed into kind of where things are now with, you know, at least a part of a slab in the ground and getting that going. So I was not going for that. Uh, I was going as the pastor and to hang out with Pastor Raphael and get to know him better and ended up the construction and design background uh, was was instrumental, um, and then you know another one of our members who owns an insurance company. Uh, you know he now is like our deacon of missions, and uh, he's gotten really plugged into the, the the partnership and just has a good business mind. So he he's he's been now with me, and and he's always uh, you know in in communication with your staff and talking about like. How's it going with this? And what do the numbers look like here? And talking about the school and the brick making. And so he's he's leveraging what he knows to try to to try to help out that. So it's everything from that end of the spectrum of of construction and design to you know older lady that went with her husband and helping out with kids. And they're they're really great with kids. So um, it, it's kind of like whatever, you know, whatever you got, it'll, the Lord will use it somehow, whether it's working with kids or, or walking a property off and trying to lay out a building. Um, you know, we tell all of our partners, both locally and globally, like we're not trying to get in a box and say, these are the only things we can do. It's what's the mission? How can we advance it? How can we come alongside? We don't want to be a hindrance. We want to be a help. You know, if we come watch your kids and that somehow furthers what you're doing, uh, then we'll come do it. Uh, if it's a volleyball tournament, we'll do it. If it's you know whatever, I, I've I've I love telling this story uh, because I've literally bought socks to advance the gospel uh, <laughs> among Central Asian Muslims. Um, had a partner in Central Asia. There was this market, and this guy is really trying to get to know. And he's like, we we're, we got to go see this guy. I'm going to use you. Tell him you're my my American friend here, and and all of this. I'm showing you around. He said, I need you to buy a bunch of socks. Now he, he runs a market, 
and one of his stores sells socks. So I went in there and I shot for socks for a while. I mean, I'm looking at socks for over an hour so he could have a conversation with him. And then I had to buy a bunch of socks. But I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever it takes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Corey, I, I think back and it it's 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 a little bit funny, honestly, because I, I didn't really even put this together until we even started talking and you know during this interview, but it was probably about five years ago this time of the year, you and I got together for lunch at a cafe over on Valleydale Road. And the like the whole point of that lunch was God's moving to Philadelphia and there's some exciting things happening. And I just kind of want to sit down with you and find out what was going on. And as we started talking and 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 you may even have been talking about that Central Asian Muslim partner, but we we started talking about you know the Islamic world and about you know about God's heart for Muslims and 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 what the Lord was doing in you and some of the people in your church, um, and that brought Rafael Kajubi to my mind because you know because he's he's our friend who you know who is working in a context that's you know incredibly. Uh, influenced by by Islam, and so just to think about all the dominoes that tumbled and all the things that God did in order to order the steps to create a relationship to get you on uh, a, a vision and a planning trip to have you there to see something that there was no tactical plan for. wasn't like anybody said, "Hey, man, let's let's go get somebody who has expertise in building and contracting and all that," and like let's but but God knew. And and the fact was that you were there at the right time in the right place with the right availability. Um, and and I think, you know, what a what a testament to how God uses the big things and the small things in our lives to, you know, really to to be able to build his kingdom and um, just incredibly thankful for that. I think um, like we all know the relationship that you've been able to build with Raphael as well. And, you know, and going and, and being in Bosega and investing there, I, I would, man, how have you been able to help Pastor Raphael as, as a fellow pastor brother in, in coming alongside him to, to encourage him and, and to help him to, you know, to help to help him to accomplish the vision that the Lord placed in his heart for, you know, for reaching their community? Uh, I think I've let him encourage me, and that's helped him. I mean, really, I, I've not done anything. He's so encouraging. I don't know what to do for the guy. But uh, uh, I, I do. By the way, I remember. Yeah, you are responsible for this. You were uh, you know, under the Lord. Obviously, you're responsible for this. But yeah, there was that cafe conversation. I remember that conversation uh, because I went back, and I can't remember who I told, but. You know, you Lifeline guys get so excited about the stuff that you're doing. Often the stories don't make sense. And I went back and I said, I think he's talking about this former Muslim pastor in Uganda that's, you know, I couldn't put the pieces. It took like yeah. three other conversations for me to get the story straight about who Pastor Raphael was. And by the way, I had actually met him mm-hmm. a few years before and didn't even know it. I didn't know who he was. So didn't make that connection until later. But uh, Pastor um, really, I think he was, he just, after I got to know him a little bit, just craved a relationship or relationships with other pastors. Like he didn't seem to be looking for anything other than, I just want some kinship with other pastors. Mm-hmm. So I know on, on one trip 
we just hung out. We we took mm. he and his family and you know drove on. You know, I forget how far we went, but to the 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 the, the mouth of the Nile or whatever it is, and and just hung out and just <laughs> talked about church and pastoring and and uh, it was. It's pretty easy to see, like you sit, uh, so don't take this the wrong way, but you mm. sit in a meeting with pastor, and you go, all right, tell me this about the, the, the school, and, you know, what's going on with sewing center, and what's going on with this, and he's kind of, he's looking at the folks that work within the ladies and go, you know, about this detail, and he's, you know, he's engaged, but he's, you know, you're just, you're sort of pulling stuff out, and then it moves to, pastor, tell me, help me understand how you guys are set up in the church and how your leadership structure is and what you're doing to, to raise up leaders and boom, you know, it's like you got to calm him down. Uh, the, you know, he starts writing on paper on the wall and I've, I've still got notes of his whole church structure. I just wrote it all down. I was like, well, that's really neat. And, you know, you got to stop him and say, I think it's time to go eat. So, I mean, he's a pastor. Um, in many ways, he's got to do some administration, but he, he's first and foremost a pastor. And I think if you've ever pastored, there's just a kindred spirit there. So all I've done, honestly, is just be there when I'm there and just sit, listen, talk, chat about pastoral stuff, um, you know, shoot an email. How's your church doing? Here's how my church is doing. Uh, you know, I try not to be the one that asks about, you know, a, a building project or, or something like that. Just how are you doing as a pastor? Mm-hmm. How's your wife and family? What's going on with the church? Because that seems to get him to light up. So I just let him encourage me, and he seems encouraged by that. I think that's awesome. I, you know, at, through this through this series of of podcasts that we're doing, we're you know we're talking about people applying their gifts, and and it's kind of built around the Advent season, and you know thinking about the the gift that we have in Christ, and and how. How do we, you know, how do we think in terms of those things that we can bring to bear that that the Lord has, you know, has blessed us with? And I, I know one of the other things that you and Nicole are really engaged with in your church, but are but are engaged um, at a high level in your community is families count and and getting involved in the lives of you know some at risk families and and folks that have um, you know many many of them some separated from their kids, others in danger of that in the system. And, and so bringing the gospel to bear, um, like how, how, how have you guys, and, and maybe even in between the two of you in your marriage, I mean, you're teaching together as you're teaching, you know, teaching people in classes, how, how has the Lord maybe used both of you um, and, and some of the gifts that he's given you in order to be able to, to encounter and meet the needs and ultimately, you know, present the gospel to some of those folks that are, that are coming through your doors because they need a parenting class as part of being caught up in the child welfare system. Yeah. Uh, families count. If I could somehow mix pastor Raphael with families count, I'd be in heaven. Like just, it would be like ministry <laughs> utopia. If he could just be involved with that somehow. Uh, I love families count. Uh, it is gloriously messy. Um, you want to, you, it would, I would love for, you know, if somebody's struggling with sin's effects on the world, like how does sin affect the world? I don't really believe that. I don't see that. Like just sit and observe the class and you could see how sin can wreck uh, not just individuals, but families and cultures, uh, generational issues. Uh, it's just, it, you know, you untangle that. It's, it's uh, you know, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, Nicole and I, we absolutely love teaching that class. Um, it's humbling. 
and I don't say that lightly. Um, that's not just self-effacing. Uh, you, you cannot. I'm, we sat through a class with somebody else teaching it and got to observe. I'm glad we did that. So we walked in. Sometimes you walk in like I got the material. I'm the teacher. I know what's going on. And if you think that in that class, you're going to be brought low uh, pretty quick because there's going to be uh, so many issues around the table you don't have answers for. Um, you have truth, but you don't know what the practical next step is. And so it's been extremely humbling for Nicole and I. Um, you know, we, we, we're in the midst of teaching a class right now, and one of the participants actually asked us in the most recent class, hey, does this material impact you? What do you get from it? I mean, as parents, is mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you, are these things instructive for you? And we're like, 100%. Uh, we sit down and we read, you know, we study and we get ready and we're like, man, we're, we're, we're not knocking it out of the park right there. We're about to go tell these folks that here's what you do at this stage of development. And we're like, no, I, I just yelled at my kid and kicked my dog. Like, this isn't good. So uh, it's humbling and instructive. It's a good reminder. It's, you know, it's, it's so practical, but yet so founded and grounded in the Word. It's, it's almost like every time you open up the Word, even if it's something you read, there's something there that jumps out and impacts you. It's the same way with most of that material. It just it, it affects us as much as it affects them. And, uh, and I think on top of that, just it changes our perspective, you know, living in an affluent community with means, safe safe neighborhood, all of this stuff, you know, zero crime, it seems like, around where we live, and it's 100% opposite for the majority of the participants in that class, and uh, it's just a perspective changer or reset, really. It's not things we're ignorant to or things we've not been introduced to or not been involved in in the past, but you forget. You get lulled to sleep that your your everyday surroundings is what normal life is for everybody, but it's just not. Um, there's a reality not far from us. I mean, we just got done talking about Busega, Uganda, but there's, there are realities right down the street that are uh, night and day from what we deal with on a daily basis. And so, yeah, I'm, I couldn't imagine not being involved in that class, um, and I think Nicole would say the same. It's just, it, it's humbling for us, it's instructive, and it certainly resets our perspective. Um, and I think it um, it creates a dependence on the Lord. It pushes us toward greater dependence because we're sitting there being asked questions that we don't have the answers for. And we, we get to speak truth and trust that, that that's going to do something because practically I have no idea what to tell you to do uh, in that particular situation. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we likely benefit more than anybody that comes through that class. So um, I can't imagine not doing it. You know, the theme that we just continue to hear from the start of our conversation, even till now, is this idea of that we see in scripture that God provides the seeds to the sower. And, you know, we it's easy to say when we have an appropriate view of giving of our financial resources, well, I have because God gave to me. But a lot of times when we think of our talent, talent, our time and our ability, we, we sometimes look inward, but the thing that I'm hearing is just your availability and then seeing the Lord show up from, you know, waking you up from jet lag uh, to go get a tape measure to, you know, having to really seek deep down and say, Lord, help me with, you know, this family that's coming my way, asking me questions that I, I don't know the answer to, you know, and I, I think as we look at this Christmas season and as we look at, 
just approaching the end of the year, what a what a great reminder that that you know we we need to be available and we need to realize that the Lord will 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 bring uh, will bring the gifts to bear. He'll he'll give us what we need in those moments, whether it's buying socks in the middle uh, of a of a Central Asian country in order to see the gospel spread or whether it's just being available for a family in need. Our prayer today and through a ministry is that you would seek your heart and ask the Lord, how can I be made available for what he wants to do uh, for the sake of the fatherless? And so we don't usually end our podcast this way, but uh, but I'm going to today. And Corey, if you would, would you just pray? Pray for us and pray for those that might be listening to this podcast that the Lord would encourage them and equip them to be available for what he has in store for them. Yeah, sure thing. Be happy to. Um, Father, first of all, we're grateful um, that you chose to save us. Uh, grateful for your grace and loving kindness toward us, uh, that we get to have conversations like this, that we are uh, in your sovereign mercy involved in these things. Uh, these are not things that we have to do. These are things we, we get to do these things. We get to be involved with Pastor Raphael and you got We get to be involved with the most vulnerable. We get to be involved with things like families count. These are not, these are not burdens. Uh, these are means of grace for us um, as we seek to be conduits of your grace uh, to others. And so uh, as uh, Herbie mentioned, um, you have gifted us wired us, uh, created us uniquely in your image. Um, we have skills, we have experience, we have education, backgrounds. We have so much that you've given us beyond material resources that we can leverage uh, for your namesake, for the good of others, to build up others, to see others cared for and lifted out of some of the most dire situations that we can imagine. Um, so, Father, I, we just pray that everyone that hears this um, would see that they're both needed and needy, and that they would be available for all the opportunities that you put before them. There are countless opportunities. Open, open our eyes to see them, to step into them, and then to leverage who we are and how you've created us to make a difference and ultimately to make much of you because above everything else you've entrusted us as followers with the gospel with truth with with words that will change people's lives by your spirit so we pray that as we seek to impact others we would speak truth in that so thank you father again for your kindness toward us that we get to be involved in all of this Praise you for Lifeline, for Philadelphia, for King Jesus Church, for Families Count, for, for everyone involved. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Corey and Dr. Rick. And thank you all for joining us. And again, you can always go to lifelinechild.org and find ways that you can give of your talent today on behalf of the fatherless. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. Mm-hmm.